What's up, guys? This is Jeremy Platt, and you're listening to Between the Tackles. You have to be kidding me. That is impossible. catch I've ever seen. He has one defender to beat. He's going to cut it back to the inside. Yes, he will. That is a touchdown. Down the sideline. He will go. Touchdown. One day you'll look back on your life and appreciate the struggle and have nothing but gratitude for everything that happened along the way. What's going on, everyone? My name is Jeremy Platt, and I'm back with another episode of the Between the Tackles podcast. Today, we're going to be talking a lot about free agency. We're going to talk about the biggest winners and losers. We're going to talk about the the under-the-radar free agent signings. I'm going to break down what I would do if I was in David Coley's situation as the Texans head coach. You know, it's a messy situation. I'm going to break down exactly what I would do, and we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL draft this year. But first, I want to start off with some personal news. As some of you know, I'm only 17 years old and I have officially committed to Arizona State University at Barrett, the Honors College, and I'm going to be a sports business major, and that's just pretty exciting, and I'm looking forward to becoming a Sun Devil. But let's now start off with the free agency, biggest winners and losers, and I'm going to start with the winners because I'm a positive guy, and I'm going to start with my favorite team, no bias, the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers re-signed all of their key pieces. Trent Williams, they locked up big time to a six-year deal that they have a three-year out because he is so he is what he's gonna be thirty-three in July. So if, if let's say his his game falls off, the 49ers have a way out after the third year, and I just think that's a great job there. They locked up a few DBs for a, one more season. They got they re-signed Jason Verrett, Emmanuel Mosley on the outside. They got um, they just re-signed Kwan Williams to be their nickel corner and Jukowski Tart to be their uh, f- strong safety. On top of that, they locked up the best fullback in the NFL, Kyle Huszczyk, and nobody knows how to use Kyle Huszczyk better than Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers head coach. He schemes him perfectly to be an uh, impactful blocker, receiver, and as a runner. We saw an increased load at running back last year. You know, we, He took some carries from direct snap, he just, and Kyle Shanahan just knows how to use him all over the field. The 49ers also re-signed DJ Jones, who is their big nose tackle. And now that Robert Saul is gone, their new defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryans, is going to have to find ways to use him more so as a defensive tackle rather than a nose tackle. But I'm sure he'll fit right into D'Amico Ryans' defense. Um, on top of re-signing their guys, they also added two key players. They re- they signed Samson Abukam, uh from the Rams. He's most well-known for his game against the Chiefs, where he had, I think, a touchdown and like a pick. He balled out that game. He's a really good edge rusher, situational pass rusher, and he's just a great guy to have on the other side of Nick Bosa, and especially if D Ford can't stay healthy once again. Uh, he's, he's a great piece for the 49ers defense. The Niners also bulked up in the center of their offensive line with adding a center, Alex Mack, former All-Pro. He's familiar with Kyle Shanahan. I'm, I believe he played with him for a year in Cleveland. And he also played with him in their Super Bowl run with uh, the Atlanta Falcons. The 49ers look good. If they can stay healthy this year, I I would expect for them to compete for the Super Bowl, uh, especially being one of those big powerhouses in the NFC. Sticking in the NFC and sticking with the Super Bowl, another big winner is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They, similar to the 49ers, re-signed all of their guys. 
They got Shaq Barrett done. They got Chris Godwin done. They got Ndamukong Sue, Levante David, and Gronk done. They still have to go after their guy Lombardi Lenny and Antonio Brown. But the Buccaneers look really good. They look like they're in a position to succeed in the future. They have to... I think they still need to lock up Chris Godwin. They only gave him the franchise tag. That's just a one-year deal. And I think he's a key player who should be on their team for the rest of his career. The Bucks can't let him walk in future years. One thing that both of these two teams, the 49ers and Buccaneers, have in common is they both represented the NFC in the Super Bowl the past two years. What makes these franchises so great is that their w- players are willing to be selfless. I'm going to more so talk about the Buccaneers, but... The 49ers, uh, their pass rusher, D. Ford, who was hurt all season last year with a back injury, took a major pay cut. He originally signed a five-year, $85 million deal. He just restructured it to be a two-year, $24 million deal that is mostly incentive-based. But I'm more so going to talk about Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We all know that Tom Brady is known for taking less money with the New England Patriots, and that's why they had sustained success. Well, now Brady's taking less money with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even though he's still getting a bag. And I want to I go back to philosophy and talk about Marcus Aurelius, who was one of the greatest Roman emperors, and he was a Stoic. He was a philosopher. His three prescriptions for success was one, objective judgment, two, unselfish action, and three, willing acceptance of external factors. So I'm going to talk about how the Buccaneers display these prescriptions of success. Let's start with one, objective objective judgment. We know that Antonio Brown has a has a past, has a history of not getting along with his teammates and his coaches, and he's, he's had a troubled history. But Bruce Arians was able to recognize how talented he is, how big of a piece he can be, and if he clicks for the Bucks, how dangerous he can be. He was able to put on his objective judgment, get over the, his history, and that's what made the Buccaneers a Super Bowl team. They were able to forget about the past and... They just move on to the future and work on building a better future. Next is unselfish action. We're going to talk about this pay cut. Tom Brady took a lot less money. I think it was $17 million less to let the Buccaneers go after their main guys and re-sign guys like Shaq Barrett and Chris Godwin because I don't think they would have been able to keep them unless it was for Tom Brady taking that major pay cut. We've seen in the past teams, teams get depleted especially after winning a Super Bowl because all their guys want to get big money. We saw the Eagles do that, you know, we, a bunch of teams, the Falcons. That's not going to happen with the Buccaneers, especially with Tom Brady taking that major pay cut. Only a handful of guys in the NFL could are capable of doing that, guys like Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and Tom Brady because they have the partner who is financially able to provide for their family. And it just goes to show the importance of unselfish action in order for success. Marcus Aurelius's third prescription for success is willing acceptance of external factors. You know, the Bucks dealt with injuries. They've dealt with haters. We saw what, you know, the first two times they played the Saints, they got blown out both times. However, they were persistent. They understood that they had to accept those losses and move on to the next. And they got the dub. They, made, they won when it counted in the playoffs. And that shows... How, why the Buccaneers were so successful last year. They followed Marcus Aurelius's three prescriptions for success. Going back to the biggest free agency winners, I think Cam Newton won this free agency. We heard him on the I Am Athlete podcast, which I highly recommend with Brandon Marshall, Fred Taylor, Ocho Cinco, talk about, you know, there was a lack of weapons there. Other than Nikhil Harry, he didn't really have much to work with last year. He got left behind after suffering from COVID. This year, 
They added Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry for a dynamic tight end duo. Reminds me a little bit of what they had with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez back in the day. And they also added Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar on the outside. You know, Cam Newton has his weapons. Not to mention, he's also being protected now. They got Trent Brown after they traded for him uh, from the Raiders. And they re-signed David Andrews, their center, for, I think, three years. They shored up that offensive line. And I think they could even go further in the draft this year. They have the 15th overall pick. I think Aliha Vera Tucker, the guard from USC, is an amazing fit for the Panthers. I know the Raiders are also going to go after him, but I think that would be a perfect fit at pick number 15. And I think Cam Newton is one of the biggest winners of free agency this year. Another big winner from free agency is the Washington football team. It's fair to say that Ron Rivera is one of the most well-respected coaches in the NFL, and it's now we see it's well-deserved. We see his players love him. A guy like Curtis Samuel, who played with him in Carolina, is now going back to the Washington football team, uniting with his college football teammate, uh, Terry McLaurin, who they played together at Ohio State, and that's a huge pickup for the Washington football team. They signed William Jackson III, one of the most underrated corners in the NFL. He's locked down man coverage. And they also went after Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's a, a great veteran quarterback to have in that locker room. And since they're not too far away, that could be a great veteran quarterback to lead the Washington football team back to the playoffs and maybe even make a little run. Also, they were, they were supposed to lose Brandon Scherf this offseason. And instead, they franchise tagged him. And while that's not a long-term deal, I think eventually they will agree to a long-term deal. And that is huge for the Washington football team. Here's a stat that I don't know if all you guys knew. Washington football team, there was a 24-year drought until this year without having a first-team All-Pro. That was broken with Brandon Scherf this year. He was a first-team All-Pro guard. Big-time signing for Washington football team. Now they need to lock him up long-term. My final biggest winner from this year's free agency is Justin Herbert. And that's with the addition of Corey Lindsley, an All-Pro center. He's now going to be Justin Herbert's center for a long portion of his career and now the Chargers are in a position at 13th overall pick where they could either trade back and get more picks or take a guy like Jalen Waddle, the wide receiver from Alabama or Kyle Pitts who's one of the best tight ends to ever come out of college football from the University of Florida. Now let's move on to the biggest losers of free agency and I gotta start off with the Bears because they signed Andy Dalton and I just don't get it. I don't know why they didn't go after Deshaun Watson even harder and if they let's say they can't get a guy like Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson, I'd rather even have Mitchell Trubisky for another year than have Andy Dalton. You know, you're just getting a, a bridge quarterback, and the Bears aren't in a position to draft one of the best quarterbacks. They have the 19th overall pick. They might get Mac Jones, but I'm not even that high on Mac Jones. I would have rather even signed a guy like Jacoby Brissett or Ryan Fitzpatrick. The Bears are set up for another year of mediocrity. I would expect Matt Nagy this to be his final year. And I just, I just hate this signing. Next, I'm going to go on the Baltimore Ravens. And they missed out on the top receivers in this year's free agency. They should have gone after a guy like Kenny Galladay, Harder, or even Juju Smith-Schuster. I know they, they had an offer for a bunch of guys, but they're just not selling it there. I would expect them to go in the draft. And I think in the second round, they can get a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown from USC. He's a big, powerful receiver. I compared him to Dwayne Bowe, the former Chiefs receiver. I also see a little bit of DJ Moore in him. I think that'd be a great second-round pick. And in the first round, they can go after a guy like uh, Aziz Ajulari from Georgia or one of the Miami pass rushers like uh, Gregory Rizzo or Jalen Phillips because they lost Matt Judon to the Patriots in free agency this offseason. I'm just bummed that they didn't add another weapon for Lamar Jackson in free agency this year. 
The Raiders, on the other hand, I have no clue what they're doing. They just traded Trent Brown. They they cut Richie Incognito. I think they re-signed him. But they also traded Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson. I have no clue. They're they're setting up Derek Carr for failure. And I think Derek Carr is a really good quarterback. I think he's above average. And is, they're just setting him up for failure. They need a draft offensive lineman. I know they're also going to go after Aliha Vera Tucker, who I mentioned for the Patriots. But the the Raiders need to find a way to secure that offensive line. I'm also a little surprised that that the Titans let go of both Jonu Smith and Corey Davis. They need a they need to secure a number two receiver for Ryan Tannehill. They still have AJ Brown, who is an absolute beast, and they signed Josh Reynolds. But I don't think they have that number two guy. I'd love to see the Titans go after another receiver in this year's draft. I think Kadarius Tony from Florida would be a great pickup for them. I'm gonna finish out this free agency talk with uh, my sleeper pickups. And after that, I'm going to talk about the Texan situation and I'm going to give you some receiver comparisons for this year's NFL draft. So sleeper pickups. One, I was a little disappointed that the Panthers weren't a little more active in free agency. I still think that they're going to go after Deshaun Watson, but I do like two of the guys they signed. They signed Denzel Perriman and Hassan Reddick, two linebackers, Perriman from the Chargers and Hassan Reddick from the Arizona Cardinals. Reddick is that guy who's going to provide pressure. He'll be a great combination with Brian Burns. He had 12 and a half sacks for the Cardinals last season. And I just think that's a dynamic duo. And you also have Yator Gross Matos, which they drafted from Penn State last year in the second round. Denzel Perriman is the guy who'll plug up the middle. You know, that defense is looking really good. They got Perriman to be the leader in the middle of the defense. They got uh, Brian Burns, Hassan Reddick, Yator Gross Matos, Jeremy Chin, not to mention. And I just think that is an underrated defense. The Broncos also did a great job at re-signing all their defensive free agents and adding some guys in the secondary. Now I want to go back to the AFC South and talk about the Houston Texans. They're in a very messy situation right now, and I feel terrible for David Coley. He's not really getting a, a chance, a fair chance to be the head coach for the Houston Texans. First things first, we got to talk about Deshaun Watson. He's dealing with a lot of sexual assault allegations. I have no, I can't talk on that. It's just, it's, it's a bad sight for him. It doesn't look good. You know, 14 women against one man, you know, it's probably going to be based on the word. And uh, let, let's just say, hypothetically, something happens and Deshaun Watson is completely innocent, which I'm hopeful that he is. And that would be amazing. He is going to have a huge market. And I expect both the Carolina Panthers, Denver Broncos, and San Francisco 49ers to be all over it. The Houston Texans need to find a way to get him out of there. You know, it is a broken relationship. I don't know if it can be saved. And it no, there's no reason to make it uglier than it is. We don't need any holdout situations. And the the Texans should try to get as much as possible. I think three first-round picks and like two key players. I think that would be awesome. So let's say they load up on draft picks. Then I think you have to draft one of the top four quarterbacks in this year's draft. You know, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence you probably won't get. Uh, Trey Lance and Justin Fields are all premier guys. And if they have the opportunity to get one of them, you have to jump on all over that and let them learn from Tyrod Taylor. You also have to draft receivers now that DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller are both gone. And I know the Texans are taking a lot of shit for, t- for picking up all these key veteran free agents and they're overpaying for them. But that's kind of what you have to do. The Texans aren't necessarily a, a, a favorable situation. They don't have great ownership. And there's not a lot of players who want to play for that. If you can give a lot of money, overpay for vets, and let the vets teach the younger guys, that's what you have to do. That's how you rebuild, and that's how you build the, you get your foundation that you want. You draft players with high energy, positive energy, 
and are who are just good people. That's what the Texans kind of have to do. They're going to be stuck in a shitty situation for a few years, and it's all because of Bill O'Brien and the Texans' ownership, and that's just what you got to do. I don't, I don't hate what they've done. I understand it. I don't know if I would have signed those exact free agents, but I get it. Now, let's move on to my favorite part of the NFL, the NFL draft. And I'm talking about the receivers in this year's draft. It's a loaded class. I'm going to talk about six guys, and I'm going to give you my pro comparisons. Starting with Devonta Smith, the wide receiver from Alabama. He was the Heisman Trophy winner this year, and he is a beast. You know, he's the, the guy that'll do anything that his coach asks of him. He can be a returner. He can be on the outside and in the inside. But... I think he's going to be a number one receiver from day one. I think a team like the Eagles, Dolphins, and Giants should all target him at the top of the draft. I compare him a lot to DeAndre Hopkins. Both are silent killers, and the way they play is just like poetry in motion. They, have both, they both have great body control on the sideline. They get their toe drag swag, and they have some of the best hands in the NFL. Devonta Smith is my number one receiver in this year's draft. Now I'm going to go with Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is a guy who's great with hand usage. He, he uses his hands at the top of his route to get open, gain separation, and he reminds me a lot of Jarvis Landry. I've also heard comparisons to a faster Anquan Bolden. I like that a lot. And I'm not as high on Jamar Chase, but I still think he's a beast. He's got a lot of swagger, and I think a team's going to take a shot on him somewhere in that top 15 range. Now I'm going to talk about Jalen Waddell, who I compare to Antonio Brown. He's so fast. He's so explosive. He's great at making contested grabs. He gains separation. He's great after the catch. He's versatile. And he is, he's another guy who could have been in the Heisman conversation for Alabama if he stayed healthy this year. Wrapping it up here, I got three more guys who fall a little bit more under the radar. I'm going to start with Kadarius Tony, the wide receiver from Florida. He is one of, he's one of my guys. Every year, there's guys who I just fall in love with in the pre-draft process. Last year, Justin Jefferson was my number one receiver. The year before that, it was A.J. Brown. And this year, I love Kadarius Tony. He reminds me a lot of Calvin Ridley, great route runner. At the top of his route, he gives him that Peter War dead leg. He's just a, he's just a great player, and I think he's going to be one of the biggest surprises in this year's draft. Next, I'm going to Amari Rodgers, who's Trevor Lawrence's number one receiver at Clemson. He reminds me a lot of Randall Cobb. He's a killer in the slot. He's great after the catch. He's physical. He's, he's built. He's pretty built, yet he's still a shorter guy. And I think he can be a steal on day two at the top of the second round. And one of my other favorite receivers is Dwayne Eskridge, the wide receiver from Western Michigan. He's the best player to come out of Western Michigan since Corey Davis. And he reminds me a lot of Odell Beckham Jr. When watching Eskridge play, I thought he was like a 6'1 guy, 6'6'1". He's only 5'9". He's super explosive. He's the guy who can take a slant 80 yards to the house. He's like Odell Beckham. And he is a beast. He's going to be a big steal. I see him going in the fourth round in these mock drafts. I personally have him as a first-round talent. That is all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Jeremy Platt. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening. Jeremy out. Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you go to my website, www.betweenthetacklesfootball.com and follow me on Instagram at Between the Tackles and on Twitter at BTWNTheTackles. I hope you guys all have a great day and Jeremy out.